Hi, everyone. Susie O here. Just want to let all of you know that the certificates of deposit at Alliant Credit Union are now at, for a six-month CD, 5%, a 12- to 17-month CD, 5.15%, and an 18- to 23-month CD, 4.90%. And for those amounts of $75,000 or more, just add on 0.5% to those rates. Go to myalliant.com and check it out. Susie Orman here, and you are listening to the Women in Money podcast. December 3rd, 2020. Welcome to the Women in Money podcast, as well as the men smart enough to listen. This is Ask Susie and KT Anything Day. Do you like that I added your name? I did, but I'm more happy that it's the last month of the year. December, only one more month to go, and we're out of this 2020 business. This was the, the worst, worst year worst, ever. Worst, worst, worst. Unbelievable, right? Right. In every possible way. But you always have to have faith. Everything happens for the best. So one day we're going to understand why everybody had to suffer like Everyone wants to forget 2020. All right. So, but I don't want to forget your questions. Okay, everybody. We start the podcast on Thursday with a quizzy. This Tell was everybody a great what a quizzy invention is. that KT had about a month ago. And I said, Susie, let's start with the first question that everyone needs to ponder. And at the end of our session, you'll give them your answer. But they have to ponder it and think how they would answer it. So the first question I chose out of these great selection today was love. Uh-oh. Okay, ready? <laughs> <laughs> now, you like this topic. I'm this is one of our favorite topics. Love and money. Okay. <laughs> Hi, Susie. You have the best advice, so I need to ask you about my love life. Wait, would you agree with that? <laughs> about you, your advice on love life? Yeah. I don't know. Usually <sighs> if someone's in love and they want and they meet someone, we say, don't introduce him or her to Susie, right? Do we say that? Why do we say that? Because you'll squash it in a minute if you don't like something about the way they handle Should we tell them some of the money. stories? No. Oh, no, Just no. one quick story. Oh. All right. So I won't oh. tell you who, but it was a very famous woman. She still is. And we went to this party. And she was so excited to see me. And I came up to her and she was standing with a man. And she said to me, I'd like you to meet my new boyfriend. And I talked to him for a few seconds. And essentially, to make a very long story short, what did I do, KT? Oh, my God. I'm not going to tell anybody. I th- when I think about that event, which was very public, lots of cameras, we were in a very big, famous event. Anyway, essentially what I said was, I don't think so. 
This was after she grilled him for one minute, less than sixty seconds. Said, she knew. Yeah, I said I don't everything think so. about his. Right. financial I would say like, I, like if it were me, I would so get rid of him. Anyway, but anyway, but nice. the truth is, she did get rid of him. Now she's married to somebody with kids and is so happy. I can't even tell that, you. That it's is so true. great that she listened to me. Okay, go on. <laughs> okay, so. This is a question about this woman's love life. I'm a divorced 41-year-old woman with a 13-year-old son. I've been with the same person for four years now, and there is no engagement or marriage in the picture, even though I told him when we first met I did not want a long-term boyfriend. He is the nicest man I ever met, but he omitted some pretty important information, like the fact he didn't graduate from college. He owed $250,000 in taxes, which has now been settled down to $30,000. And recently he filed for bankruptcy. Now, Susie, my dreams of buying a house with him are shot unless his parents give him money. He's more like another child instead of a partner. I make four times the amount he does and I'm feeling stuck. Stuck because I invested so much time. Stuck because our families have interacted and they like each other. Stuck because he met my son and now recently I let him move in with us during COVID. Even though I told him I didn't want to move in unless we were married. I don't know what to do. I love him. He has a pure heart, the purest I've ever known. Mm. But I'm putting all my needs aside because he is kind. Is love enough, Susie? Should I just be happy that he's a good person? I've been through some pretty bad breakups and need some stability in my life. Please help. So everyone, the quizzy answer is, should she keep him or should she say bye-bye? So at the end of this podcast, Susie's going to give us her results. Keep him or leave him? Are you going to give what you would do? Do you know what you would do? Yes. I can't wait to hear this Absolutely. one. Absolutely. I have no doubt of what I would I do. I have no doubt too. Do we really <laughs> have to wait? Yes. You okay. have to wait. All right. Okay. So this, this is a fun question. Hi, Susie. I hope you're doing better. Question. I have a BFOCX. <laughs> when I read this question, everyone, I thought to myself, I have a BFF, but I don't have a BFOCX. <laughs> returns are five star, but expenses are high, 1.95%. Should I sell it or keep it? I can't sell it until it has completed 90 days in my portfolio. Love you, KT and Susie. So this is the question that you, you picked to ask yeah, me? Yeah, what is a BFOCX? <laughs> what is it? You're so funny. That is a mutual fund, KT, which happens to be the Berkshire Focus Fund that really focuses on technology stocks. But basically, here's the problem. Even though it's a great fund, it's up 54% this year. It focuses totally on technology. Now, I can get really technical on all of you. It has a really high turnover ratio, all of these things. But the thing is, and she says it right here, Elizabeth, it has a 1.95% expense ratio, far too big of an expense ratio for me. So yeah, I would be selling it in 90 days if I could. What would I be buying instead? Because that's the question. And one of my favorite exchange traded funds in this area of innovation is the ARK Innovation ETF symbol is ARKK. 
It's managed by a woman by the name of Kathy Wood, who I think is absolutely brilliant. If you had subscribed to my Women in Money app, I did a live thing, and I think I mentioned this fun a while ago, and fabulous fun. And its expense ratio is only 0.75%. So if I were you, yeah, 1.25% makes a big difference in terms of return. So yeah, in 90 days, I would sell this. And if this is the area that you want to be invested in, go to the ARKK ETF. But expect some volatility, everybody, and make sure that you all have at least 10 years or longer if this is what you want to invest in, in terms of a type of fund that's all about technology. Here's a, here's a short and sweet question. Uh, this is great. This is from Shirley. Thank you, Shirley. I'm an immigrant, but already obtained a green card. In my investment, can I put my beneficiary to my niece who lives in Indonesia? She is not a U.S. citizen, does not have a U.S. bank account or any U.S. identification. Can we do that? Shirley, I have a lot of friends in Indonesia, and I just love that Bali Kopi. Oh, Jesus. Bali coffee, everybody. Okay, go see. All right, everyone. You've asked for KT. <laughs> no problem. So I don't know if it's a savings account, a retirement account, whatever, but you absolutely, let's just say it was a retirement account. And she was putting money into a retirement account and she wants to leave somebody who is not a citizen, lives in a foreign country as her beneficiary. Can she do it? She absolutely can. However, because it's a retirement account, and let's just assume that it is, then at least 30% of what's in there is going to be withheld for taxes. So you just have to know this, but you can absolutely leave anybody you want no matter where they are as a beneficiary of your money, there just might be some tax consequences to them for doing so. All right, go on. Good. Thanks, Susie. All right. This is Hello, Susie and Company. The shows have been really fun lately. <laughs> Thanks to KT. <laughs> I said, do you have an opinion on insurance umbrella policies? I have sold my home and now rent. So not 100% sure if I really need that part of my insurance policy anymore. The bulk of my money is in a 401k. Outside of the 401k is about 200,000 in stocks and cash. The policy is for a million dollars and costs me about $100 per year. What should she do? Maria! Uh, an umbrella policy. I'm sure KT doesn't know what an umbrella policy is, right? No, I don't. All right. So, um, so here's the thing. You can only have an umbrella policy if you already have insurance coverage for something. And it's in addition to what you're already covered for, like your car insurance, your home insurance, whatever it may be. Normally, you never carry an umbrella policy that's more than your net worth. So you just have to decide, are you in a profession? Do you do things that could somehow make it so somebody sues you? Up to you. Listen, if you can afford it and it makes you feel comfortable, okay. I'm not somebody who absolutely loves umbrella policies. Susie, finally, question from a man, a man smart enough to listen. It said, I've appreciated your advice ever since you released your first PBS special. Wow. Wow. 
Tom's been, his name's Tom. Tom's been listening a long time to you, Susie. So here's his question. I understand that Airbnb and the code is ABNB will launch its IPO early in early December this month. And I wanted to jump in. I have a personal Roth and an employer Roth IRA at Fidelity and have set aside cash with this specific purpose in mind. Question, how is buying stock in an IPO different? Any tips on buying an IPO? <laughs> there you go, Susie. He, Always thank, and he's thanking you so much for, for um, all of your great advice yeah. and passing on blessings. Right. So Tom, here's the thing. Everybody wishes that they could get into an IPO, which stands for what, KT? <laughs> oh, God. Initial, Initial public, public offering. offering. And I knew that, Susan. Uh, you just we... had to give me a minute. All right. There you go. But, but seriously, and there's only a limited number of shares that comes out with that initial public offering price. Now, I'd have to do an entire Susie school to get you to really understand the difference between something trading on the open market and the IPO price. Only a limited number of people get in on the IPO price. You have to have an incredible relationship with the brokerage firm that's bringing it public to give you some of those shares. So chances are you're not going to get it on the IPO price. So the IPO price may be 12. And when it comes to where you could buy, it could already be at 100. So you just have to decide, do you really like Airbnb? Do you like it for the long run? And if you do, do you want to buy it? And whether you buy it on the day it comes out or a month later or whatever it may be, that's something that you're going to have to decide. But I can tell you, I doubt highly that you're going to get any IPO stock from Airbnb. What if he knows someone at Airbnb and they offer him stock? Should he buy it? If you if you know someone, get an IPO price, right? Well, he would it's be like that, wholesale better would, than wholesale. He would be then part of the friends and family. Yeah, go and for it. And he could get it that way. But it's really going to be a stock that is in great, great, great demand. Probably be will be a fabulous stock, but it could open up really, really high and then possibly pull back. So, you know, Facebook came out and went all the way up and then came all the way down. So you just have to decide, do you like the stock period, whether you want to get it at the IPO or not? Okay, Susie, next question is from Joan. I have my 12-month-plus emergency cash. I also have my retirement accounts at about $300,000, but I won't be retiring for about nine months and will collect Social Security at full retirement 66 and four months. I was thinking of investing in some home lots in the areas that are growing in my area of North Florida. Please let me know your thoughts as to whether this is a good time to do this. Joan, really seriously, I need you to listen to me. No, I do not want you to do this. And the reason that I don't want you to do this is empty lots are some of the most speculative investments you can ever make. You're going to be retiring soon, and all you have is the $300,000 that's in a retirement account and your emergency fund. I need that $300,000 to carry you through all the way because Social Security is not going to be enough for you to live on. So no, you cannot take that money and invest it. And by the way, if you read the Ultimate Retirement Guide for 50 Plus, my 
latest book, you would see that it says that when you go into retirement, I want you to have at least three years of emergency money in cash. So no, you cannot do that. You are denied. Okay, next question. Susie, this next question is from Heidi Travis. Heidi, maybe you're related to me. I don't know. My KT, you might not know, is Kathy Travis. Hi, Susie. I very much appreciated your tutorial about the Dow Jones. I'm wondering if others, maybe even KT, like myself, do not know what the numbers 1,000, 10,000, 20,000, and 30,000 represent, as I have no idea. I only know that it's something positive. I can certainly look it up, but I thought it might be helpful for you to explain to your listeners. I KT, you're really asking <laughs> some, some um, difficult questions today, but let me see if I can make this as simple as possible, and I'll know everybody if I'm succeeding based on what KT's face looks like. Listen, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is made up of 30 stocks. So there are 30 stocks that are tracked, and those 30 stocks are an indicator if the market is going up or if the market is going down. Now, what makes the Dow Jones Industrial Average different than others is that it is a price-weighted index, which means the price that every stock is at, whether it's a large company or a small company, carries the exact same weight. Years ago, when the Dow Jones first came about, they would take the price of the stocks and they would divide it by 30 and that would give you the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Well, they can't really do that anymore because of how fast everything is moving and so on and so forth. So they take the index usually at about 10 second intervals and they came up with this divisor and whatever, and it comes out to be a number. What do those numbers mean? It means what the value of those stocks are at when they're quoting them on the Dow Jones Industrial Index. Now, why is it different than 1,000, 5,000, 10,000, 20,000, 30,000? It's because the stocks in the index, and they change, by the way, they've changed them over the years. Those stocks themselves are growing in value. So when those stocks are going up, the index then is higher and it goes higher and higher. It can also go lower. So remember, back in 2008, the Dow Jones Index went all the way down to 6,000 and something. That's because all the stocks, the 30 stocks that the index is made up of, also went down. So depending on the price that the stocks in the index happen to be at, that's what determines the Dow Jones Industrial Index. And really, you just have to look at it. And if it's going up, you know, the market, the broad market is doing well. And if it's going down, it means it's not, but it will go up and down and up and down. It could go significantly down again, or it can continue to go up. But you should just know what is the price of the index today? And whatever the price of the index is today, and you should look it up, I could tell you, but look it up. And this then is your starting point. If you see that it's going up, 
then the markets are going up. If it's going down, the markets are going down. If you're invested in the markets, all right, all right, KT, I'm wrapping this up. If you're invested within your 401k or retirement accounts or whatever, that's an indicator if you are making money or losing money, but not necessarily because maybe your stock is going up when the other stocks are going down. Okay, KT, next question. Okay, here you go, Susie. I would love to help my son pay off a $15,000 credit card debt at 24% that was used to help his family when his wife became ill. He's been faithfully paying the card without missing any payment, but can't seem to get ahead. He's not aware that I'm considering this. I would take out a personal loan at 3 to 6% for 48 months. He would be making the payment, even though I know I would be responsible should anything happen. And then this is where she explained, Susie, she said, my father helped me in a similar situation when I was in my 30s. I'm currently 62. I was forever grateful and I paid the $6,000 loan. I have $400,000 in a 401k, $100,000 in saving, a fixed monthly income of $4,480, which are two pensions and spousal survivor benefits. Monthly payments of $3,288, no debt, and I own my own home outright. Thanks, Susie. Listening to you faithfully. Deli. Deli, I want you to listen to me. I want you to help him, but I want you to help him in the most intelligent way for you. And it makes no sense when you have $100,000 in savings, no debt, your pensions are covering your expenses every month, for you, therefore, to take out a loan at an interest rate that he pays. I would much rather see you take out $15,000 from your savings account, which is probably making absolutely no interest whatsoever, versus paying interest on a loan for that. So therefore, that's how I want you to do it. However, do we want to first have a conversation with him to see, can he refinance that loan at a lower interest rate? Because what concerns me is if he can't qualify for a lower interest rate loan, that does mean that he's been irresponsible with money. Maybe he's been responsible for paying this loan back, but if he has a low FICO score, then something else is going on. So you just have to be prepared that even though he is currently paying that money back, that something may happen and he might not be able to because of the unemployment, COVID, and everything else that's on. But if you want to help him, I don't have a problem with you doing so, but from cash, not alone. All right, Katie. Okay, Susie, last question. Then we go to our quizzy. So this is from Ashlyn. I'm a sophomore in college. Should I open a brokerage account or Roth IRA as a means to save for a down payment on a home? in the next five to seven years. I said, I guess she wants to buy one in the next yeah, yeah. five to seven years. I currently work part-time, so I can only invest a small amount each month. Thank you, Susie. Ashlyn, so number one, if you're going to buy a home, you have to put at least 20% down. Now, normally I would tell you just save that money outside of a retirement account. That's the best way to do it. However, with a Roth IRA, 
You can take out any money that you originally put in without any taxes or penalties whatsoever, plus an additional amount for your first home. Just in case you don't have enough money to buy a home. I don't want you to miss out on these years of you funding a Roth IRA because you can only fund a Roth IRA up to $6,000 a year. So I don't want you to miss out on that. So I would be saving it within a Roth IRA, but I need you to be really realistic because maybe if you can just save a little bit of money, you're better off saving for your future and your retirement and not necessarily for a down payment on a home. Okay, everyone, we're at the end of our podcast today, and we're going to go to our quizzy and hear Susie's take on the love or money question. Now, for those of you who maybe don't remember that question, go back to the beginning of the podcast and listen to it again. Think about how you would answer it. And here's how I am answering it. Ada, I need you to listen to me. You know, on the podcast, I always have a saying that people never ask a question that they don't know the answer to especially when it comes to the topic of love. And I think you know the answer to this question. Let me tell you what seriously concerns me. Four times, four times in this email, you say that you were stuck, right? That I make four times the amount of money that he does and I'm feeling stuck. Stuck because I invested so much. Stuck because of our families have interacted and like each other. Stuck because he, and uh, stuck you don't get stuck in a relationship. You are in a relationship because you want to be there. You know, stuck is not the word I would ever use to say how I feel about being with KT, except when it comes to the Ask Susie Anything segments, but that is besides the point. No, but really, everybody, Ada, you've got to think about that. But here is the one line that really bothered me. You said, you wrote this. He's more like another child instead of a partner. You don't need another child. You already have a 13-year-old son. You've already been divorced once. You're only 41 years of age. You need to move on. You know you need to move on. So the question I'm asking back at you is this one. If you could turn back the hands of time, and not be in a relationship with him, having not met him, would you wish that you were exactly where you are right now with him? And I get it, I get it, that you'd love him. He has a pure heart. He has all of that. But you say in here, am I putting all of my needs aside because he is kind? I haven't put one of my needs aside. In fact, KT fulfills needs that I didn't even know I had. I've never put anything aside to be with KT. And I know, well, I shouldn't say that since she's sitting here, but I know that she hasn't put anything aside to be with me. And if anything, we enhance each other. We do not diminish one another. We don't have any secrets from each other. We don't all of a sudden say, KT, I've got to tell you this, I owe $250,000 to the IRS, and I have to move in with you because I don't have any money. Wrong, wrong, wrong. wrong. I, I, I agree with you. So you ask, should I be happy that he's a good person? No, be happy for him that he is a good person, but he's not the right person for you, in my personal opinion. Agree. 
There we go. All I right, t- everybody. I so agree on that one. Did you answer it that way? Or did you answer it? Yeah, you should stay. Don't judge people because of money. That's not what I was judging this on, everybody. I was judging it on the words that Ada chose when she wrote in this email to the Ask Susie podcast at gmail.com. That's where you need to write in. And possibly one of your questions will be chosen to be answered on this podcast. See everybody on Sunday. Want to say bye, KT? Yeah, everybody. Have a great, great week ahead. See you this weekend. And remember, everybody, you stay safe. We can't give up. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman is acting as a certified financial planner, advisor, a certified financial analyst, an economist, CPA, accountant, or lawyer. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman make any recommendations as to any specific securities or investments. All content contained in this podcast is for informational and general purposes only and does not constitute financial accounting or legal advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and financial advisors regarding your particular situation. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman accepts any responsibility for any losses which may arise from accessing or reliance on information in this podcast. And to the fullest extent permitted by law, we exclude all liability for loss, damages, direct or indirect, arising from the use of this information. The must-have documents discussed in this podcast are legal documents created by a lawyer and distributed by Hay House.